you don't have to be sick to give it. Don't wait for the challenge to arrive to, to, to be prepared to train for it, right? It's all in preparation, right? And so the reason why mindset's important is not because it's easy. It's easy when we're in the midst of success. It's easy when the numbers are right. It's easy when the rate, when, when, the, when the rates are low, right? You know, if you will, right? It's, it's really what really is going to show up in your character and who you are and your tech is when the chips are down, right? Um, and we don't know when that's coming, right? But adversity, adversity is not like a, adversity is not an if thing; it's a win. And it's just a matter of how, how big it is. It's micro, macro. You know, it could be just bad traffic on the way to a big meeting. It could be something like like an illness anywhere in between, right? So we don't know when it's coming. So let's be prepared for it. You don't have to be sick to get better. You're listening to Batting 1000 with Dale Vermillion, where heavy hitters from Morgan, real estate, and business share their secrets for lasting success with your host, award-winning sales strategist and industry icon, Dale Vermillion. All right. Welcome back to our 2023 uh, episode two of Batting 1000, where we interview the heavy hitters in business, in mortgage, in finance, in just the places that all of us want to grow and learn. And today I have a very, very special guest, super honored to have Harry Wilson with us today. Um, Harry is the CEO of a company called Limitless Minds. Uh, they are an amazing company that literally is working every day on helping people to perform at a level that they've never performed at before. Uh, Harry has been was 12 years as a leader in industry. He has been the CEO now uh, for Limitless Minds since 2018. Uh, he's also a Division One athlete, uh, multi-athlete, two different uh, sports you're in, which is really cool, and come from a whole family of that. He, uh, You may recognize his brother is Russell Wilson, the quarterback of the Denver Broncos and previously Seattle Seahawks. Um, so Harry comes from a storied tradition of athletes and just people who think in a very powerful, amazing way. We are so honored to have him today. He, he is he is a company and a leader that teaches on transformational leadership and authenticity, two things we love to talk about. So Harry, welcome to the show. So glad to have you. Dale, thanks for having me, man. I, I'm, I'm excited to be here with with uh, with you and your and your audience. Um, you know, it's funny, batting a thousand, uh, if I could have maybe just batted over 300, I might be asked to be playing right now. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, but you know, I do love baseball and all the analogies that exist within. But um, but uh, but yeah. So thanks for thanks for the opportunity. It's it's just it's gonna be fun. Well, it's great to have you here. Well, well, let's just let's dive right in. You know, first thing I want to talk about as as we lead in, you come from a family that you, your brother, your sister, all D one athletes. Obviously, Russell went on to play pro sports. You guys have uh, grown up in a family that certainly nurtured these kinds of things. And I know you talk a lot about your dad. I would love to just open up, share a little bit about kind of your upbringing, the influence your dad had in your life and what that looked like and how that transformed you to where you're at today as the CEO of a major company that works with huge, huge companies all over the world. Yeah. I mean, um, first of all, yes, my, my brother and my sister, you know, they really got all the talent. I'm, I'm the, uh, I'm, I'm the Cooper Manning of the Wilson family. I'm like the other brother who had a lot of promise, different reasons, injuries, et cetera, didn't make it. But uh, I'll, I'm happy to live vicariously through the, both of them. Um, my father, you know, so my our dad, his name's Harry Wilson as well. He was the third. I'm the fourth. He, um, you know, he was a two-sport athlete in college. He went to Dartmouth, right? So education wow. first. Um, you know, was an all Ivy League uh, player in football and baseball and um, would play briefly for the San Diego Chargers. And, and then but he ultimately went to UVA Law School, was a was an attorney. Um, wow. 
I went to worked at uh, Procter and Gamble for a number of years in Cincinnati. That's where Russell and I were born, and um, and then moved us to Virginia and so on and so forth. He would get sick, and he had some complications with diabetes, and um, you know, kind of this uh, avalanche of challenges that existed from a health perspective that that took him in 2010 at the age of 55. But sorry to um, hear that. No, I mean, but you know, I think it's uh, you know, my dad um, and my my grandfather Harrison Wilson the. A junior, um, we're all, you know, kind of education was kind of the number one thing. And, you know, I had a grandfather who got his PhD back in the, in the fifties, uh, as an African-American, um, in the fifties living in Jackson, Mississippi with a PhD was pretty rare. So, so education has been a part of our, 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 you know, our yellow brick road we've been kind of traversing for, for, yep. you know, some time in some generations, you know, our dad, but our, our dad's impact on us. And I'm speaking for my brother and my sister, but I can really speak for myself, but my dad did so well that I'm trying to take and, and, and um, provide for my three daughters that I have um, yeah. is is the ability to kind of create a vision, right? Um, my dad would, did a really tremendous job of helping helping us paint our own vision for success and dreaming big, right? And kind of thinking beyond, you know, kind of the parameters that that most would kind of try to box us into, um, and uh, both you know academically, uh, athletically, uh, relationships, friendships. Um, and how we think about things. So, I mean, I think that he's kind of, cre- he helped create kind of a dream big type of culture, if you will, family yeah. culture um, yeah. that, you know, we continue to try to, you know, try to try to build and create, you know, for our own families that we've, that we've uh, built and, uh, and certainly the people around us. So, I mean, that, that's, that's just a little bit of, of my dad and, you know, certainly um, we wish he was here and he's been gone for almost 13 years, 12 and a half years. And it seems like all the big stuff in life has, has happened since, you know, but, yeah. you know, hopefully he's been, you know, able to kind of keep an eye on us and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, kind of a, a, a guardian angel up there. So, yeah. You know, little did he know how much his influence would impact. You know, we talk a lot on Betting a Thousand about mentorship, legacy, all of the importance of that and the impact we have on people and everything we do and everything we say every single day. And I know that his influence clearly has an impact on all three of you uh, as his children. And I'm sure your mom had a major play in that too. And and now we fast forward and here you are as the CEO of Limitless Minds. Now let's talk about this because I think this is really critical for the audience to hear about. You know, I, I, I've been a proponent and, and the two things that we teach at Mortgage Champions and the two things we always focus on that we say is the key to your success is mindset and methodology. If you don't have the right mindset and you don't match it with the right methodology, doesn't matter. You're not going to succeed no matter how much talent you have, because that talent never really comes out if you don't merge those two together. Now, we're really the experts on methodology. You're really the expert on mindset. And one of the things that that I want to open with, you know, I've always been a proponent of positive thinking. Guys like Zig Ziglar and Brian Tracy, Jim Rohn have been very influential in my life over the many years that I've studied. But you guys actually teach something called neutral thinking that is absolutely state of the art. It's such a cool concept. I would love for you to talk with our audience about what neutral thinking is, how you guys are changing people's thought process through limitless minds and helping them to achieve at levels they've never seen before. Yeah, uh, thank you for that opportunity. We, um, so I, you know, I also believe in positive thinking, right? I mean, we, you know, and we're hopeful for it. I mean, I think many of us, if not most of us, uh, aspire to to kind of be positive, and and um, you know, most of the listen, most of the books and the 
in the podcasts and the things you're going to find, you know, if you're in the airport and you're jumping into the, the little bookstore, you're going to find a lot of content on positive thinking. What's really oh, yeah. interesting um, is that, you know, what's been commercialized a lot is positive and negative, right? Positive, and negative thinking, right? They, they're opposites. Like, okay, I want to be more positive. How do I stop being so negative? So on and so forth. All that's relevant and real. Um, you know, one of our co-founders, our late co-founder, Trevor Moat, um, who I, yeah. I encourage any, any audience listener to check out, um, he, he's got, you know, he's author. He's got a couple books out. It takes what it takes and getting to neutral um, are two that I would check out both on, on audio book and also, you know, live book. But um, Trevor, Trevor was one of the world's top thought leaders in the area of uh, mental conditioning and mindset training. Um, he started with elite athletes, right? Um, uh, folks like individuals like my brother, teams like uh, Nick Saban and Alabama football helped kind of build a dynasty and a culture around mindset at Alabama. When he was there, he'd meet a couple individuals like Mel Tucker, who's now at Michigan State as a head coach. Wow. Um, yeah. and, uh, the back-to-back national champion, Kirby Smart yep. at Georgia. And so when when Trevor got sick in 2019, he was working at the uh, University of Georgia football and Kirby Smart. All around this idea around neutral thinking. And when he was at mm-hmm. Alabama with with uh, with Nick Saban, they realized that, you know, to kind of to get these guys to just think blindly positive was a huge leap. Right. It was a huge yep. leap. And, you know, whether 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 guys are cynical, whether they come from broken homes, whether they come from, you know, it's it's you know, it's, it's hard to kind of be carry the grind of a of a of a summer camp, all these different things. Right. And and so what, what, what they realized is that there's not a lot of data that supports that positive thinking works. We believe it. And anecdotally, we would trust that positive thinking is good. Right. And that yeah. it works it's certainly better than the alternative. Um, but what's interesting, there is a ton of data. That supports that negative thinking works, right, Dale? But the but the problem wow. is that negative thinking works all the time, and it works negatively, right? And so, <laughs> um, and, and, and a lot of the data supports that the verbalization of negativity is what weaponizes it um, against you in, in in multiples, right, exponentially. Yep. Um, yep. In fact, there's some there's some data out of out of, out of Harvard that supports that um, negativity is is four to seven times greater than its than its brother or cousin positivity, and That's when right. it's and when it's verbalized. It can be uh, in multiples of 10x on top of that. So, so the verbalization of negativity is what weaponizes most of us against ourselves, right? In yeah. our self-talk and the internal ad campaigns that we create for ourselves. And so when, when Nick Saban and Trevor worked together to develop this culture around mindset and language at Alabama football, it was all about being less negative, right? Stop saying dumb things out loud, things that are being weaponized against you, Right. And um, and that's what they really build a framework around. And even the most cynical could buy into the idea of being more neutral and being less negative. So really, it's what, we, what we're doing with organizations, individuals, is we are, we're spending a lot of time reminding them, educating them, talking to them, giving them apl- applicable tools to be less negative. Right. And to suggest to go on a negativity diet, if you will. Right. Because it's not just what we say. But really, yep. it is garbage in, garbage out. So the more yep. social media that I that I that I engage with, um, the probably the more more negative I'm probably going to be. The more news that I watch on a given day, week, month, quarter, the pop, the more negative I'm probably going to be, right? Um, and it doesn't mean that you eliminate all these things from your world. Just know, just just means that you have to be cognizant of the consequences of these negative sources, you know, and, and, and things that you're consuming. So, so we really kind of put a structure around these things for individuals, teams, organizations around how to, how to, um, really manage negativity, um, and make it make kind of your language work for you. And then your behaviors will follow and then the results will come. 
So, I mean, the last thing I'll say, Dale, and we'll kind of open it up is just, you know, negative, a neutral thinking is more about uh, a lot, you know, really about a fact based solution, solution approach towards problems and challenges, right? What it does for people is it ultimately slows down the velocity of, of, of adversity, right? And it kind of helps to build adversity tolerance. And, and what will allow you to do as a, as a neutral thinker is you can acknowledge the negative. You don't have to ignore it. You don't have to pretend like it doesn't exist. In fact, we're yep. going to ask you to, to spend some time with that negativity, understand one or two reasons why that happened, that situation happened. Great. Like a doctor would do, let's diagnose why that happened. Yep. And then with that diagnosis, let's, let's create a set of solutions, maybe just one solution that it might take to, to mitigate or eliminate that, that, that challenge from happening moving forward. And then from there, as we put those behaviors in place, it gives us the license to be positive, right? At that point, we've now earned the permission to be positive. So, so it's kind of this, this judgment-free, fact-based types, a type of approach towards, you know, solving problems and, and challenges that we're in. And it, you know, ultimately slows down the velocity of that challenge and, and, and ultimately increases your adversity tolerance in those moments. So, so I love what you're saying there. You, you know, it's interesting. I train leaders all over the country and mm -hmm. from sea level to mid-level all the way down to the frontline leaders. And, you know, constantly, obviously talking about the importance of having a positive environment, of, of speaking to your people in positive ways, of making sure that you're encouraging them so that they're thinking right, because people too do tend to lean towards the negative. And one yeah. of the things that I talk about all the time is cause and effect. And, and, and that's kind of what you were just talking about there with negativity is that when something bad happens, and many times, you know, the, the thing that I see, and I'm sure you see this all the time too with leaders and with employees, is things that happen out of their control, they get too hung up about. They get too upset about and too worried about instead of just saying, I don't have control over that. And what I always try to teach them is it, it's thinking in a cause and effect mindset. Okay. What happens is we react to the effect instead of really addressing the cause, which is proactive. It's right. a reactive, proactive mindset where when you have negative things happen, what you really want to do is you want to say, okay, that happened. Acknowledge that. It's over. It's done. That was That's history now. Now we're moving forward. What was the cause? If we fix the root cause, then the effect won't repeat itself most likely in the future. And it leads to a better mindset of how to deal with negativity. So I love how you frame that that it's it's thinking less negatively. We start there instead of, because I, I hear this all the time from leaders and from loan officers and people I train all over the country. Most common question I get, guess what it is, Harry? How do I stay more positive when we're in a market that's so difficult and rates are up and these things are hard? I say, well, my answer is always, number one, when you have those negative situations, stop, take a minute, and think. be grateful for all the things you have in life that you can be grateful for. Mm -hmm. That always regenerates your attitude back in the right place. But outside of that, you got to just address the negative by identifying the cause and then creating a different activity going forward. Speak a little bit about how you guys have taken your your training and your teaching and the things you you talk about with how to think properly and how that's impacted people. And, and a couple, if, if, if you can share a couple things, just a couple of specific strategies that people can really apply in order to think in a better way. Yeah. Well, I mean, one thing I was thinking about as I'm writing some notes as you were, you know, given that framework that you just gave is some, one of the things that we teach is this framework around conscious competence, conscious competence. And really, okay. the framework is is associated with three other three other kind of uh, uh, pieces of this. So a lot of us kind of go into situations or the skill set or the industry that we're in. 
Um, and we, we start off, maybe we're a couple of years in, maybe we're 18 months in, and we're trying to build this level of competence in what we do, right? And, and the skill and what it is. And, and, and I don't know if you've ever been this as a performer, whether it be in business or sport or otherwise, there's been, there's times where you feel like, you know what, um, I'm not performing well and I don't know why, right? right? That's like kind of rock bottom from a performer perspective, right? We call that unconscious incompetence, right? I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not that great at what I'm doing and I'm not sure <laughs> how to get better, right? And that's, you know, no. hopefully you're there. Some of us might be in different areas and that's okay, right? There's opportunity to, to, to get better. And a lot of that has to do with asking questions and being a constant quest for knowledge and so on and so forth. But that's kind of like rock bottom of this framework, right? Then there's conscious incompetence where, you know what? I, I'm not great. I'm not good yet, right? Uh, maybe I'm new. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm new to the industry. Maybe I just moved to a new organization. There's a different way of doing things. I'm not sure if I, if I got it yet, but I'm really aware of it, right? And I'm, and I'm seeking to understand. I'm asking the right questions, putting myself around the right people. Yeah. So on and so forth. And that's okay. That's kind of, that's kind of like a growth mindset uh, kind of area to be in. And, and there's improvement to be had, right? As long as you know where you're at and have that self-awareness, there's, there's ways to improve. And then there's the last two things are what, where we see a lot of uh, performers that we work with in this, in this, in this framework. Cause we work with a lot of companies with like high performers, some of the best companies in the world, like Johnson and Johnson and Bristol Myers Squibb and that AstraZeneca and Amazon and Microsoft, some of these organizations. Wow. Okay. Yep. These are our companies. So these, these, these organizations are kicking ass, right? They're, they're really strong. Yeah. They, they yeah. got performers. And so what we see a lot in this group that we impact a lot is this uncomp unconscious competence, right? So I'm good. I, I know I'm good. My numbers are great. I'm performing well, but I don't really know why I couldn't. I'm not sure if I could actually teach somebody else how to do the same thing. And if I do have a down week, month, quarter, et cetera, I'm not quite sure like what happened and how to get back on track. I'm not trying to make these yeah. things repeatable. Right. I'm just kind of yep. flowing, getting lucky and luck. I, sometimes you know, people say I'd rather be lucky than good. I call that I say BS, but I get that's it. That's right. That's not a good statement. <laughs> but a lot of us are in that. Right. Where, you know, maybe we're at the right company, right place, right time, right territory. Um, and, you know, we, we have a sense for what we're doing, but we really don't know how to do it and how to repeat it and how to get back on track if we if we get off track. Right. Um, but again, that's a good place to be from the standpoint of, hey, listen, there's improvement there. I'm, I'm good at what I do. There's skill there. Now, if I can get into the self-awareness mode, wonderful. Right now, the, the place that I believe that we all want to try to aspire to be in to, to really continue to chase our potential and move that benchmark for where we can where we can go in our capabilities is conscious competence. Right. Of course, where I'm kicking tail and I and I, and I, I have a really great formula. I have a really great system. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and even though that's in that system, may need, may be, I might be required to evolve from that system. But because I have a system, I have the, the ability to to, um, to to be nimble and be agile when the industry calls for it. So I know I, and I'm and I'm not in the mortgage industry, but what I think I know or at least what I understand about the last few years, you know, everybody's gone through a pandemic 2020, Right. Was uh, was, you know, if I think if I'm a seller in that space that you guys are in is probably pretty pretty darn good two years from the standpoint of just kind of taking orders, right? You know, just kind of, yep. you know, I'm trying to take an order. Rates are, rates are, you know, kind of right, uh, you know, and I'm just taking yep. orders, right? And, and, and what ends up happening in a time like that, which is great, we're going to perform really well, but what it ends up doing is it impacts our adversity tolerance because yep. with, because our diversity kind of lowers in some ways and our tolerance for it does too, right? And then 2022 comes, 2023 arrives, and we're in a in a in a in a in a, in a world where it's going to get a little tougher, a little different. Maybe not tougher necessarily, but different, right? We're gonna have to be a, we're gonna have to kind of really be leaning on relationships that we've created. We really have to be really skilled in the conversations we're having, right? We're really going to have to just 
have a have a plan for this kind of rate resistance that you guys are in, right? In this industry, right? And so you gotta have a strategy. And the choices that you had in 2020, 2020, 2021, all of a sudden those choices, that margin for error starts to starts to shrink. And then choice yeah. becomes an illusion, right? All the thing, all the skill sets that are required from a skill perspective for people in, in the industry that you guys are in um, have always existed and they continue to exist. Yeah. Nothing will change with what's required of you. What's changed is the margin for error during a time like this. And so that conscious competence is critical. I don't care if it's mortgage, if it's pharmaceuticals, if it's tech, if it's uh, financial services, that really kind of seems to be pretty uh, pretty standard across industries that we're, we're helping and working with. And so this, 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 this kind of competence tree, right? And the awareness around it is something that we've been teaching folks, um, whether again, whether it be individuals or leaders, that has really helped people kind of elevate and increase their um, their adversity tolerance in this time, especially the folks in the middle, that mighty middle at an organization, right? That that middle 60 performer that's like just on the edge, just on the cusp yep. of performing. That's been something. So uh, of all the frameworks and different things we're doing, neutral thinking, this this kind of competence tree, that's something that's really been relevant over the last few years. Um, whether you've been an individual contributor and it's just about you and trying to perform or whether it's, whether it's you as a leader um, in a challenging time where you're trying to balance the, the challenge of both empathy and a drive for results, this conscious competence and this competence tree has been really critical. So I, I'll take a breath. I don't know what you think about that, but that's. Uh, I, you, know. I, you are speaking my language, my friend. This, I, this is why I'm so excited that we are partnering with you guys right. is what you said is dead on. Um, what, what you have in the mortgage industry today is back in 2020, 2021, when rates were super, super low, yeah. they had unconscious competence. That's exactly what it was. You could just show up and you could be successful. You weren't even really sure why you were successful, but man, you were making money hand over fist. That's right, right. In the market yeah. we're in now, where rates have dramatically increased, market's much tougher. What I'm seeing a lot of is I'm seeing a lot of that unconscious incompetence now where they're not sure why they're not performing anymore, but they have to move to conscious competence. I'm going to use a quote. And this is, I use this quote every time I train people. It's my favorite quote on success of all time. It's from Robert Ringer because I think it says the truth and it really speaks. I never realized this till you use the terminology. It really speaks to conscious competence. Mm -hmm. The statement he makes is that success is a matter of understanding and religiously practicing specific, simple habits that always lead to success. Now, one of the things that I teach leaders all the time is if you want to have a successful organization, what you've got to create is you've got to create a best practices mentality. And what that simply means is you analyze your sales teams, you analyze your operational teams, and you look at what is the right process, but more importantly, who does the best job in each piece of that process? And you take those best practices and you combine them between your employees. So you're using the wisdom of your employees, basically, to create a process, whether that's a sales process, whether that's an operational process that is based on best practices so that you know why you're doing what you're doing. You've got a process that's defined and now you're working, and I never even thought of the term, with conscious competence right now. You understand why you're succeeding because you've actually orchestrated it. You've you've articulated it through the way you build your process. And that's what we at Mortgage Champions have taught for 27 years is a sales process that's absolutely proven to work based on the million plus loan officers I've trained over the course of my career. So I love how you've articulated this into these four different categories so people can start to think about, okay, where am I at in that stage? How do I move to the next one? 
and, 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 and how do I get to that conscious competence mindset that I need to be in? So you said something, I'm sorry, Dale, but you said something about, no, like, please go ahead. Move to the next stage. And that's important because a lot of times people want to go from, let's say unconscious incompetence all the way to conscious competence. Right. Right. And that's hard impossible. To do, right? Typically you're going to go from unconscious incompetence to, you know, learning and going to conscious incompetence and maybe you're still not there yet. Right. But like, you know, I'm just <laughs> aware of, okay, here are the behaviors I'm really trying to, trying to build. It might take time and depending on the industry that's placed to the environment you're in, it may be a 90 day thing. It might be six months. It might take some time, but that's okay. Yeah. You're building. Right. And then, and then you might, from there you could get to conscious competence, right? You know, from there, from as long, as long as there's conscious in front of it, you can get to competence, right? It's hard to get to competence when, is when it's when you're when you're unconscious around it, right? When there's not a lot of self awareness. So I just wanted to I just wanted to share that because that got me that got my juices flowing a little bit when you're saying um, about kind of how do I move from one stage to another? What what are the tipping points from one stage to another to get there? Yeah. yeah. Well, what I love about this conversation is it really goes back to what we said at the very beginning. It's mindset and methodology. Okay. Mm -hmm. You can have the right mindset, but if you don't have the right methodology, you're not going to succeed. You can have the right methodology, but if you don't have the right mindset, you're not going to succeed. I see this a lot today in the mortgage industry where I see loan officers that they have the ability, they have the skill base to be incredibly successful, but they're so worried about the market. They're so focused on the negativity out there that, that yeah. they can't come out of their shell to do anything about it. Mm -hmm. So they're frozen. They, they, they get in this, this frozen mode where it's like, well, I know what I need to do. I need to do what I did 20 years ago to go back and build new partnerships and referral sources and all those things. But right. I'm, I'm just frozen right now because I don't want to do that anymore. I, I want it to be 2020 or 2021. Well, right. it's not, and it's not right. going to be. So right. you got to move. You, you got to move up that scale to get to the point where you say, okay, what do I consciously need to do to be competent today to move mm -hmm. in this thing? And how do I get that mindset there? So Harry, talk a little bit about it. If, if you today were to give advice to either a leader or a loan officer, or anybody who works within a mortgage arena today facing, you know, adversity. Now, now you said something really important earlier. You talked about, you know, garbage in, garbage out. And, and I talk about this all the time, you know, getting up and, 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 and turning on the news is the worst thing you can possibly do for yourself each and every day. You yeah, know, yeah, getting yeah. caught up in the negativity, that's not what you want to do. You want, you want to fill your mind and you want to fill your day with as much positivity, surround yourself with positive people, make sure you're looking at things. And, and I know that for me as a speaker, I'm always taking the elements of the market and showing my lenders and showing my clients and the people that I train, what are the positive things that are happening in the market that you can go attack and do well with? Because everybody else is talking about the negative. If yeah. you were to give advice today to people in this marketplace, dealing with the adversity of the marketplace, what would be the one or two biggest tips you would give them today? Um, so I'd focus on language. That's the first thing I'll say. And what I mean by that is not necessarily what I'm saying to, you know, my, if I'm a leader to my team, that's, that's kind of secondary, right? That's going to be, that's yep. like the next page and that's the next chapter, but whether you're leader or individual contributors, really, really being maniacal, non-negotiable with my language. And I mentioned this early, this idea of a negativity diet. And I want to kind of give somebody, anybody who's listening, that's interested in this, something really specific to try and do. Um, and commit themselves to, right? Because I, I run a business around my mindset, right? We're a mental fitness organization. I consider myself yep. pretty, pretty skilled at this stuff, but I'm also human. <laughs> and, and uh, even in, you know, in negative times and things yeah. that are challenging, you know, personal or business, like I, I get caught up in this stuff too. And, and I, and 
And one thing I, I would I challenge people to do is kind of really just like they would like with a Weight Watchers program or as they try to lose weight and they want to calorie count and do their macros and all their things. Right there. You know, that's 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 cool because there's when you do that and you do it right and you, you know, and you, uh, you, you know, you, you track all these things, you know, hopefully you'll see a result for me. They're like just to kind of take this analogy a little step further. So in front of being one, I was uh, significantly overweight. I don't know how it happened. Right. I mean, COVID sure. But I was just, you know, traveling a lot and right. I mean, I had gotten to like 270 pounds, you know, and, and I'm six, I'm six two. I was a wide receiver in college. So I should be, shouldn't be 270 pounds. Right. I could have been an old lineman. Right. Um, and I got on scale and I just like, I, I hadn't been on a scale in a few years. I wasn't measuring anything. Right. I was just, going about my days and going about my life and doing my, and I was felt like I was active, but I got to 270, got on the scale, scared the crap out of me, went to my wife and said, I got to lose like 60 pounds. And I was really just throwing a number out there. But once I kind of put together a process, I looked up and six months later, I had uh, six months, I lost about 55 pounds. And I was, I was about to weight, see with 215 back, right? I'm back. I felt like I, I was called Russ. I was like, Hey, y'all need to write. I'm, I'm ready to go. But, um, <laughs> but, but, but I really that analogy because for me, when I, the, 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 the psychology around this process of losing the weight I wanted to lose, it really was a mindset thing, right? It wasn't, yep. it wasn't just, just as easy as X's and O's and like, Hey, I'm going to eat better. Right. Because if I was, if that was that easy, I wouldn't have gotten to that number to begin with. Right. And what right. It, and when it came down to it, the simplicity of really, this was, it was math, right? It was a calorie deficit that I was chasing. Right. So I put some processes in place to kind of know that day by day, week by week, and giving myself some rest in there and some and opportunities for cheat days to really be at a calorie deficit week over week over week, right? And, and it's the same thing with our mindset and our language, right? If we want to have language that works for us, we have to consume the right things and put ourselves in the right environment to do that. And so we needed to be at a negativity deficit, right? Yep. And again, doesn't mean I don't eat the foods I like necessarily, Right. And that analogy or or, you know, go and, and uh, go, go nice, have some nice wine with my wife or whatever it might be. It just means that the I know that these things that aren't great for me have, will have an impact on me. And I just had to be aware of when, you know, when, you know, how, who, what, when, where, why and what the how does that impact my calorie deficit that I was looking for? In this case, my negativity deficit. So we mentioned it earlier about going on a negativity diet. One of the things that's, that works against us the most is uh, this this guy. Right. This little phone here, by the way, with my family on there. Um, but phone. And, and as much as this is a great tool and so are the social, the, t- the TikTok and like my Twitter, my Instagram on here, they also can work against me. And so but also that little that little green, that little green with the white cloud, that's that text message. Right. So I have some, you know, I have people in my life that I text the most. My my most of my co-founders, my brother, my sister, uh, you know, my mother, my wife. And my, let's say DJ Eitzen, for example, who's a co-founder of Limitless Minds with us. We talk every day at nausea, like we're just constantly talking t- over text. And if I'm honest with myself, if I go in my text message with DJ, as much as like we're positive people, there's a lot of negativity in here, right? Because yeah. we're always trying to challenge with the, with the you know, today's kind of effort. And yeah. I, I challenge people all the time to say, hey, go go pick. And I'm gonna ask every audience member to do this. Go go pick the person that you talk to the most over text message, right? Because the reason I'm saying text message is because basically your negativity is journaled in this text message thread, right? Yeah. Um, Exactly. And, and go go find the person you talk to the most. Again, it could be a mother, it could be a father, it could be a spouse, it could be a, a best friend, a co-founder, a, a, a co-worker. And just pick a baseline. Let's say the last two weeks, right? And you can pick the baseline. It could be longer, it could be shorter. Take the last two weeks and just take a take a you know, take a pad like this and just jot just tally off how many, how many, how many negative things that you put out there, right? Include include the and, and include the emojis, Dale, right? Include the emojis. 
in there too. And just nobody's judging you. <laughs> nobody's looking over your shoulder, right? Just right. it might right. be it might be fifty things, right? No, no judgment, right? It might be fifty things. Cool, right? Great, no, no problem. But again, this goes to the confidence, right? What I want you to do over the next two weeks or whatever that baseline that you set was, right? Is just be cognizant before you push send on that text message to that friend, that 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 spouse, that mother, whoever it is. Just pull back, reset, and reframe if you can, right? If you can reframe that negativity into something more neutral, fact-based, truth-based, solution-oriented, right? And just and just reframe it. Don't tell this person you're doing all this work, right? Just 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 work on that. Just be aware. Just check yourself, right? And send and then send the text off, right? And then after two weeks, I want you to go back and do that same count. Identify how many how many negative things you put out there, and I'm not going to ask you to eliminate it. Go from fifty to zero. Just go from fifty to twenty five. Right. right. Just cut cut that number. Just in improve. Half. Yeah. Just cut that number in half, and then and then once you see that improvement, great. Right. Out of boy, out of girl, good stuff. And then do it again the next two weeks, and try to cut it in half again. So now you're going from fifty to twenty five to twelve, thirteen things, and then maybe do it another time. And now it's six. And all of a sudden, you're really actually activating and applying this concept called neutral thinking. And if nothing else, what you're doing is you're being significantly less negative. And what's going to happen is, as a force multiplier, that individual that you're that you're that you've chosen is going to be less negative as well, right? And That's if they're right. that important in your life that you're that they're the person that you communicate with the most, um, both of your lives are going to be optimized during that period of time, uh, which is which is fantastic, right? And so so that's 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 something I would challenge people to do. And actually, Dale, one of the things that we're doing with Limitless Minds is we're building up, we're continuing to build a platform digitally um, through technology where we can help people do this uh, more automated through AI and so on and so forth. So that's a, that's another story for another day. <laughs> but but um, but that's where we're, we're we're realizing the power in our language. And if we can help individuals track this, just like they would track the calorie count, uh, the steps they take in a day, right, with our wearables and so on and so forth we can give people power, right, with that level of data to support when they're most optimal and how the language impacts that. So that's one thing that I would do. And that's what, that's what we're doing with teams now, whether it be through an approach like that or other ways to journal and and, and keep track and be more consciously competent around our language. So that's something I wanted I to share that, that everybody can do right now. You know, there, there were so many drop the mic moments in what you just said there, just so many nuggets of wisdom that were just golden. And it's interesting because people don't talk enough about the language we use and the words we say, and, and people forget. I, I mention this to leaders all the time and to salespeople that I train across the country is whatever's coming out of your mouth, that's a reflection of what you're thinking. And, and, and if, you're, if you're speaking negative, not only is it impacting every thought process you have, but everybody that's around you. You know, I, I use the example of throwing a, a rock in the middle of a pond. Okay, if you throw a rock in the middle of a pond, it creates a ripple effect. And that ripple effect, it, it doesn't just go a little bit. It goes all the way to all shores. It affects everything around that pond that yeah. happens. And it, it goes back to thinking about when we speak, how we're impacting the people around us. So now they then become negative and it becomes this double-edged sword where we're just negativity is feeding negativity. And pretty soon before we know it, we're not performing anywhere near the level that we could because right. we consume by it very quickly. So right. I love that example you gave. I love that 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 exercise that you gave the audience of 
really look at, start with somebody that you trust and you know, and, and the people that you probably wouldn't even normally be thinking you're talking negative to and identify there where your negativity is at and then apply that to all your other parts of life. Think about your emails. You know, there's a gazillion emails in the business world. Oh my gosh, if you can start cleaning those emails up and doing the same kind of principle once you've done it on the text message, it can have a life-changing effect and a career-changing effect for both you and the people around you. Right. It's not limited just to text. You know, I think that's just one kind of medium that, yeah. that people are using a lot. To your point, email, certainly it's, it's hard to track the things that we literally say out loud. That's something that we're working on from a technology perspective behind the scenes. But that that is that is one way. And I think the other piece to this that's critical is the opportunity. You can't go at this stuff alone, right? Like yep. whether it be life in general, right? The big, you know, like, you know, as we seek joy and happiness and, and, you know, fulfillment, all these different things. And we can't go at this life alone. Right. And we can't we shouldn't go at these little things alone, too. Like our language, you know, a lot of times it's the people around us that can give us the best feedback around how we're impacting them through our language. Right. You know, my wife is the one who's listening to me all the time. Well, I think <laughs> I think she's listening. Yeah. But she's the one that's around me a lot, for example. So like she, she you know, who's better than her and some other people in my life to tell me like, hey, you know, I know that you've been working towards, you know, trying to be less negative. You know, I, I noticed over the last week you know, that you were, that you've been speaking this way, right? Just a heads up, right? You know, whatever it might be, but that, that accountability partner, it's like the, it's like the speedometer read um, down this road that I'm, you know, that's right in front of my house called Evergreen Road. They got a couple different little plants of that, you know, that, that, that speedometer read that makes you think that the cops are around the corner, right? That tells you if in a 25, you're going 38, you're going 40, you're going 42. And what do you do when you see that, right? You slow down, you tap the brakes, right? Same thing yep. with our language. If we can have an accountability partner, um, around us, right? That can help you kind of tap the brakes when you're going negative. There, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, there's certainly a lot of, uh, you know, it's a competitive advantage is what it is. So yep. that's what it's about. Yeah. There's, there, there, you know, it, it reminds me of a verse that I love out of book of Ephesians. Ephesians 4.29 says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful to build others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. And, and I love that. I love that verse because it talks about how what we say should be encouraging to people around us. It should benefit them. And when we speak, everybody within earshots hearing what we're saying. Yeah. So if we're in leadership, if we're in sales, we're influencing people dramatically by what comes out of our mouth. And it's really important to understand. I love the fact that you guys are teaching that to people in such specific ways to help them understand how to be more thoughtful about their language and the importance of how that affects your mind and your, yeah. your attitude, positive, negative, neutral, whichever one it is, it's going to have an impact. No question about it. It's great That's stuff. Right. That's right. I love that. That's good. That's All right. Great. So let me let me share uh, the last question I wanted to ask you. Um, mm -hmm. You mentioned Trevor Moed earlier, who was the co-founder of Limitless Minds with you. And I know Trevor has had massive, massive impact on your whole team. Uh, DJ and everybody that I've talked to internally with your team uh, mm -hmm. have, have mentioned Trevor multiple times. Um, just for a minute, if you would share a little bit about the impact his mentorship has had. We talk about always at the end of our show, mentorship and the importance of mentorship and why we need mentors in our life. Can you share a little bit about maybe the mentorship that Trevor had with you and the importance and the impact that had on your life? Sure. I mean, and, and, and just to, again, clarify for listeners, I mean, Trev, um, you know, in 2019, he was diagnosed with some cancer. Um, mm -hmm. that he fought valiantly for uh, about a two-year period. Um, and of course, COVID hit, right? You know, a few months after that diagnosis. And I think he was more scared about the pandemic uh, 
you know, and its impact on him um, more so than the cancer itself. And he fought and he grinded and he did his thing and he was kind of quiet about it and didn't want a lot of people to know. And, and, um, and, um, and it took him in, in September of 2021. Uh, so and, uh, and what's interesting, it's almost like a, a great musician. Like it's almost like some, you know, sometimes the music has more of an impact when they're gone, you know? Yeah. Uh, and yeah. there's so yeah. more music than they did before and all these different things. And, and uh, Trevor has a similar type of impact I feel like, right? Because once he, when he passed away, the amount of individuals, uh, many names that folks, folks listen to this, to this podcast would know, right? Um, some of the best and brightest athletes uh, across a ton of different sports from football, basketball, baseball, tennis, uh, et cetera, track, um, came out of the woodworks on like the impact and really specific impact that he had on them. For, for me, um, you know, Trevor was one of the best speakers that I had ever heard, which was great. You know, I mean, I've seen a lot of great yep. speakers yep. from Simon Sinek to, to you know, uh, Angela Duckworth and, you know, um, you know, I've seen Adam Grant, all these different people. I mean, there's so many great speakers out there. He was one of the best because of, because of his authenticity, right? Yep. And, yep. Um, you know, he grew up in this space. His dad was a guy named Bob Moad, who was kind of one of the founders of like this self-esteem space that was kind of started in like the 70s. Um, you know, Chicken Soup for the Soul. I don't know if they, they you're probably familiar yeah, with Chicken Soup. Absolutely. So, Love yeah, that book. Yeah. So Bob Mawad was one of the original contributors for Chicken Soup for the Soul. Mm-hmm. Um, so Trevor grew up around the dinner table talking about this stuff, right? And and um and uh and he would take his career into it. But I mean, you know, um his impact is is uh multiple exponential. Um and you know, as he's gone now, we really begin to like realize the legacies that he's left behind and really gives us as co-founders with, with Trev like an opportunity to allow his legacy to carry on. Um, Great. And, and, and again, change the way that people think um, that then we believe would change people the way that people uh, uh, talk to themselves and to yep. others. And then ultimately change the behaviors that we are required for us to kind of win. And then ultimately then we'll worry about results and outcomes. Right. And so, um, so, I mean, I, I think he's a pioneer in the space. Um, you know, it's a shame that he was, he's gone so early in his mid forties, um, because, you know, um, I think we're all missing out on, on, uh, on really a genius, um, in this, yeah. in this area. Um, and, uh, but you know, he leaves, he leaves us behind. Um, we're going to continue to carry on his legacy and, uh, impact people. But that's, that's the cool thing is that Tre- Trevor didn't really want recognition. Um, you know, I mean, I think certainly he wanted to be relevant like many of us do, but really he just wanted to make an impact, um, authentic- authentically, you know? He really just wanted to make an impact um, and he would he would do it quietly. He would do it real quietly behind the scenes. You know, he was kind of like the Wizard of Oz. Right. You never really knew what he, what he looked like. Right. And now, you know, but um, so, yeah, I mean, he's a special guy. Uh, you know, we have a, our, the fire in our belly to, to continue to take this organization where we want to go is um, is even, you know, burns even even brighter and burns even stronger now. So. So, yeah, we're, uh, it's a responsibility for us to, to do that. Yeah. I wish I'd have had the the honor to meet him. It's, it just sounds like just an amazing guy from everything I've heard. And, and it reminds us again that, you know, every one of us are leaving a legacy, positive or negative. We all do. And in, in, in every interaction we have in every day with people, that's yeah. part of our legacy. So I want to remind all the listeners that, you know, mentorship is important. You need mentors around you. That makes a major difference. And remember that the way that you're working with other people and the way you're influencing other people and the way you're talking to other people and the way you're treating other people is establishing your legacy. I think sometimes we think legacy is a word for later in life, but we don't know we're going to make it later in life. We never know what day is our final day. We, we want to set our legacy every day as we work through it. 
Thanks, well, Harry, this has been just, I have loved every minute of this interview. I, I so appreciate your humility and your heart and uh, your wisdom today. Uh, share with the audience how they could utilize Limitless Minds, where, where they would go to, to purchase, you know, uh, things from you guys. We, we I, Obviously, I fully endorse what you guys do and just a raving fan and looking forward to working with you more. Um, could you share with them uh, how they yeah. would go about that? Yeah, I mean, a lot of a lot of folks know us as like a, a B2B type of platform, right, where we work with companies and organizations. You know, um, you know, if you're a, if you lead a sales team, if you lead a, a team of, of sales trainers, sales enablement folks, uh, if you are responsible for those individuals, you may be a COO, a CEO, an organization. If you're if bottom line and impact is important to you, <laughs> right, at your, at your organization, um, whether you make it, whether you make the decisions or not, um, reach out to us. Um because right. we we can uh, help your team build a framework around adversity tolerance, like you mentioned. It's not just uh, it's the mindset and methodology, right? It's if you it, mindset a mindset strategy is just as important as a business strategy, right? Equally it important. Um, they have yep. to kind of they have to really be able to run in parallel, and so we we can help organizations. Um, you know, we're uh, with that. We really are a performance solution through mindset training. Um, we tend to really. Um, Enter, enter into organizations through sales teams, both both individuals, contributors, and, and, and leaders. So that's us. Um, you can reach out to us at LimitlessMinds.com. Um, hell, you can email, email me directly at Harry at LimitlessMinds.com, and I will respond. Um, and then as a consumer, if you're just one person out there saying, Dang, I, want, I want some of this. I want some of this action, right? I want some of this. Love. Uh, we actually have an app that you can download, um, Android awesome. and, and, um, and iOS called Club Limitless. Um, and, and Club Limitless... Uh, is is a is kind of like a peloton for mental fitness if you will right so very cool you get access to coaches some of the best and brightest literally on the globe um and um and you get on demand and live access to these coaches you can jump into the mind gym and work on your mind uh and condition your mind and be more mentally fit so check that out um it's a subscription you know per month you know, you know uh, a few dollars per month per person so so check that out um, you can find us on social media. We're all over LinkedIn, uh, Limitless Minds. You can find us on uh, on on Instagram and Twitter and so on and so forth at Limitless Minds. So so come check awesome. us out. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, but you can reach out to me directly, of course, and, and come find us. But uh, we're excited about the future. And um, and like I said, you know, check out Trevor's books. Uh, it takes what it yeah. takes is the first one. Um, you don't have to read them in order necessarily, but if you want to, it takes what it takes. The second one is getting to neutral. Both of them are really applicable. The second book, Dale, um, kind of unveils this. 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 Uh, <clears throat> it really unveils, honestly, kind of what Trevor was going through individually, right? As kind of one wow. of the mindset gurus in, uh, across the world, um, he too, at uh, being human, is going through it, right? And and how wow. he was able to apply this to his everyday, um, and, and going and battling cancer, um, and it really makes it real, in my opinion. So check those out. You can do audiobook or, or you know, they got them in hardback and so on and so forth. But, but check those out for those that are interested. You can also, if you're also interested in Trev and just in general, you know, you can find them on YouTube. And there's a lot of inter- he's done a lot of interviews and podcasts, so you can kind of get some interesting kind of framework from him and and um, and whatnot. So, but I, I we're just really grateful that uh, to partner with you guys and, and to be on be on today with you. I, we appreciate it. Well, it's been an absolute delight, a blessing to me and uh, a true honor. And for those of you listening, I know a lot of you are uh, executives that I work with. Um, Feel free to contact me too if you want to, and I'll be glad to connect you with these guys. Um, they're, they're a class act and they, they're doing some incredible work to help organizations around the world. So, 
Uh, Harry, thank you. Uh, blessings to you. Appreciate you. Looking so much forward to uh, getting to know you more over the years and, and hopefully uh, seeing you down in Louisville where, where I've got kids down there. Um, we're going to have to hook up for hook up for lunch or dinner when I'm down there next time for That's sure. Right, Let's do it. Let's get a, maybe a little bourbon and, and uh, hot brown down here, you know. Um, there we but, go. But, you know, the, the one thing, I'll, one last thing I want to say to your audience, right, because you, the folks that are listening, if they're listening to this, you know, folks that are Folks that are listening to this, they are, they are, I'm sure they're, I'm certain they're seeking a competitive edge, right? Both, yeah. both professionally and personally, right? Um, just like I am, right? You know, just a constant quest yeah. for knowledge. That's why, that's why one would engage in, uh, in, in, in content like this, because they're just seeking continued knowledge. I don't care if you're 22, 42, 62, anywhere in between and around. Like we're all 102, kind of, <laughs> 102 right? Seeking that, um, seeking that competitive advantage, and and but a lot of the folks on here are really successful, right? A lot of the folks that are listening to this, they 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 they've had, they felt, they know, they can they can smell success, and I and I want to encourage those that are even in the middle of kind of a successful, you know, career or you know success around them is that one thing that Trevor would say, and I, that I always say, and 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 because of it is, um, you don't have to be sick to get better. You don't have to be sick to give it. Don't wait for uh, the that. challenge to arrive to, to, to be prepared to train for it, right? It's all in preparation, right? And so the reason why mindset is important is not because it's easy. It's easy when we're in the midst of success. It's easy when the numbers are right. It's easy when the rate, when, when the, when the rates are low, right? You know, if you will, right? It's, it's really what really is going to show up in your character and who you are and your tech is when the chips are down, right? Um, and we don't know when that's coming, right? But adversity, adversity right. is not like a adversity is not an if thing; it's a win. And it's just a matter of how, how big it is. Is micro, macro? You know, it could be just bad traffic on the way to a big meeting. It could be something like like an illness anywhere in between, right? So we don't know when it's coming. So let's be prepared for it. You don't have to be sick to get better. Um, and and you know that's kind of like a growth mindset thing. But the reality is that I'm not. You know, I, I ask people all the time, like, hey. You know, do you want to reach your potential? Everybody says, yeah, I want to reach my potential. And I say, why? And I mean that because that's, it's a trick question, right? Because certainly we want to reach our potential. But really what I want to do is I want my potential to, to increase. I want to move my potential. I want my potential to grow. And then what I want to do, what I really want to do is close the gap between my potential and what I actualize, right? And I want to keep closing that gap while my potential rises. I want to, I want to close the gap on what I'm, actual, what I'm actually doing, what I'm actually able to accomplish. Yep. And, and what's going to be required of that is this mentality around, I don't have to be sick to get better. I can be on a constant quest for knowledge. Um, I can ask the questions. I can, I can reinvent myself along the way. Um, so that's the challenge I wanted to, wanted to leave for folks, right? Um, whether it be around their language or the people around them and, you know, how, how much news they're consuming, all these different things we talked about. It's just about being, being on a constant quest for knowledge and realizing you don't have to be sick to get better. So, you know, that that is a great way to end the show. Uh, You know, I've told people this many times. My wife, Laurel, and I have had marriage counseling our whole life. And people say, is there something wrong? Well, sometimes, but no, not really. We're just going because we want to stay together forever. And 31 years later, it's still working. So, you know, it's constantly wanting to improve. Even if things are going well, you want to keep yourself at that level and keep getting better. And and I love how you articulated that by just closing that gap every single time. So, Harry, thank you again. Great to have you. God bless you, my friend. Love what you're doing. Uh, And and I hope that uh, I get to see you again real soon. Likewise, brother. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity.
Batting a Thousand is a production of Mortgage Champions, a company that's been transforming the people who transform companies since 1995. Have a suggested topic or guest? Contact my team on Twitter. That's at Dale Vermillion. Or tweet us using the hashtag batting1000. That's hashtag batting1000.